You are listening to the Unlikely Felon Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Unlikely Felon Livestream. This show is peppered with humor, entertains with inspiration, and presents real solutions to post-traumatic recovery. Here is your host, author, speaker, and mistake maker, W.C. Young. Welcome to the show. I'm WC. Looking forward to getting out of town this week. It's been a great week. We are headed to a sports tournament in Atlanta. By the way, I have a a beef with uh, the creators of the Encanto movie, and in particular, the music. Can anyone relate to that? I'd like to to find them and hurt them. No, totally, totally kidding. Of course, Lynn Manuel Miranda, he is the incredibly talented you know him as the creator of Hamilton. He definitely, he's got the formula down. It works. I, I believe he wrote most of the songs for the Encanto movie. And now it's it's all over. It's mainstream radio. My kids have it memorized and they love to sing it to me. But I've had enough. I'm boycotting it. So if you email me, go ahead and email me if you, if you know what I'm saying. But don't email me about being a Disney hater. That's not it. I love Disney but I just don't want to know any more about Bruno or whatever it is about Bruno. And I'm tired of Bruno. So <laughs> anyways, thank you so much for uh, the communication. Had uh, someone connect with me on Facebook again this week. It's been uh, the messages are literally becoming a daily occurrence. And they said, uh, this is, this came in uh, yeah yesterday. Good morning to you both. It was to both Kay and I, I'm dropping a line to say just what an inspiration you both are to me. My mother-in-law is deteriorating rapidly, but has no assets for us to get in trouble with. But your book is very eye-opening and to the end of life care for loved ones. The strength and courage to go through this together and survive it is commendable. I'm so appreciative that you're sharing your story. I'm passing the book on to other friends and family who need to read it. Wow, that's... uh, that's so motivating. That's that's why uh, that's why I do this. This is the point. So please keep the messages coming. It, it motivates me. So on today's show, I want to talk about why people are acting so weird. I was reading an article in the Atlantic about it, and it got me thinking. First of all, is it true? Are people acting weird? And second, if so, why? It might not be what you think, or even what is discussed in the article. I might have a a different viewpoint. So we'll get into that. In this week's What We Should Have Done segment, that's what I'm going to, I think, keep calling it for now. I've covered, uh, I'll be covering agreements, even if you get along, even if things are going well, and some things to keep in mind when the people you're caring for become coherent. Inspiration today, our inspirational section is about Steve Gleason. Holy cow, I, uh, I watched the documentary on his story basically sat there and cried for 90 minutes. Yes, I'm one of those people. I'm a crier and I'll tell you why. And then we'll finish with what you can do to stop acting so weird. I know I'm the only one, or maybe I'm not the only one, but it seems people are just acting very bizarre. Let me start with the words of Marianne Williamson. Joy is what happens to us when we allow ourselves to recognize how good things really are. Maybe that's the problem. We've lost some of the insight into how good we have it. I think about a hundred years ago, it was tough to have clean water or there was 
there was no electricity in a lot of places. No, by the way, we were recovering from a pandemic. We had no electronics cars. Cars were barely around. I don't think anyone could afford them. Uh, Roads weren't very good. Didn't have much music, no TV. How about uh, penicillin, all the healthcare improvements we've had? Reason I'm bringing these things up is that I think we're spoiled. We have this odd perception of what life should be and how we define happiness. If you're coming back from trauma, especially from the last two years, then today's going to be really important for you. So I mentioned this article in The Atlantic, and it's titled, Why People Are Acting So Weird. The author, Olga Kazan, hope I'm saying it right, mentions, the pandemic has screwed us all up. First, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with that. She cites three main areas or evidence of it. So I want to frame an argument that what she's talking about is just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. And I think there's a lot more things going on, but my, my challenge is that there are issues that are new, but there's also things that have been around forever that we're still battling. And are we measuring the wrong things? She says, number one, we're all stressed out. Now I I don't want to think, talk about it. Actually, I, I do want to talk about it. No, I really don't want to talk about it. So if you, if you haven't seen the Saturday Night Live, this is what I'm referring to, where they say, we don't want to talk about it. They keep saying it. They're referring to the slap. And I don't think I need to go into all kinds of more details on who slapped who. But it's, it's that time, right? Right. We have big time stars acting weird. We have passengers beating up flight attendants during flights. We have people screaming at the flight attendants. People are screaming at store clerks, customer service reps. And she goes into this. She, and, and, and think about, they talk about people going skiing and acting crazy, yelling at the mountain staff. You're supposed to be having a relaxing, fun day on the mountain and people are getting arrested for losing their shit. But why? We'll get into that. Number two, uh, people are drinking more. Is that new? I know the statistics say 21% increase, blah, 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 because we haven't been able to leave our home or go anywhere or do anything for the last couple of years. Or is it that people are just admitting to drinking more now? So is drinking new? Uh, Probably not, right? (laughs) Number three, she says we're all social beings in isolation and it's changing us. It is, but we have the world at our fingertips. We can do just about anything online. So yes, we're social beings. And if this is true, we need social connections and we have all this access to social media and online. Then why are we hurting other people? Why are we yelling at other people? Whether it's using words or physical violence, why are we hurting others? And lastly, she points out that mental illness can explain all of it. Last point I agree with to a certain degree, but we're all a little crazy. I might be a five on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, and you might be a 14, or we'll reverse it, I'm a 14, you might be a 5 totally off your rocker, but we're all going through these mental challenges of life, right? But I I think where we're getting this wrong is we have this delusional thought that we expect to be happy all the time. When I got into trouble, when we had this whole situation happen, I I think I thought I was supposed to be positive. Everything's supposed to be happy 24-7, and I was willing to do whatever I had to do to make that happen. And, and people compare their life, right, to what they see in the media or on Facebook or what their their neighbors, what's going on in their neighborhood. And they say, why not me? I'm not as happy as them. They're happy and I'm not happy. And you might say now, come on, WC, even if the, the Constitution points it out, right? What does the Constitution say? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. 
that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Aha! By damn, I have a right to it. However, let me challenge some things. The world's changed. Maybe it's time to replace happiness with joy. And I'd argue maybe a person, instead of pursuing happiness, it might be time to choose joy. So what's the difference? Don't they mean the same thing you might be saying? Well, yes and no. And I like, Brooke Castillo has a 50-50 concept. It's the idea that life is equally good and bad, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Let me say it again. So life is equally good and bad, but there's nothing wrong with it. We've all heard the saying, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good. Heck, you might think I'm one of those people that good things have happened to, even though you think I'm a good bad guy for what happened. And I can respect that. And I'd like to add, if you're living 5149, 51% is good stuff, then you're killing it. And if you get this concept, then you can accept negative things as being part of the deal, right? That they happen. But we're all supposed to be happy all the time, put on a smile, a fake front. Everything is great. Even Jordan Peterson, he talks about how it was the roommate of, uh, uh, he talks about this this guy, I can't remember his name, Todd, Tony, and it's a friend of ours. And he's like, hey, Tony, how's, how are things going? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm really struggling because of the success of my old roommate. And he's like, oh, really? And this this Jordan Peterson, great stuff. He's a psychologist. And he asked him, well, who's your, who's your roommate? And he says, Elon Musk. And Jordan's like, what? what? You're comparing yourself to Elon Musk. There's And this guy was doing fantastic right? And Jordan's like, there's 7 billion people out there that aren't doing as good as Elon Musk. <laughs> but you're, you're taught to do that, right? But put that front out there. And I did it for years. Most people suffer from resistance. And you've all heard me say this many times, people lack gratitude. And as Brooke points out, that when we hold the belief that this shouldn't be happening, we're not accepting what's happening and what's real. When we do this, we're only creating more fear, anxiety, a- anger. That's, that's the way people are sticking out, right? That's the way people are, are, um, uh, thinking about others. And I love the 50 50 concept. So how do I have more joy? We'll get there. I mentioned the new uh, segment that I'm doing each week. I've called it what we should have done. Isn't that true? about so many parts of our lives. If you could go back, if we could go back and say, well, I should have done and fill in the blank, but especially with, uh, with caregiving. So I saw this stat this week, how many years it said, how many years of life are shortened being a caregiver? It was a study by Ohio state university in partnership with the national Institute of aging. And it has shown that adult children caring for their parents, as well as parents caring for chronically ill children may have their lifespan shortened by four to eight years. Whoa. I was like, hmm? Four to eight years. And the a great thing about the time that we had with Graham and Gramps, and the, the two main characters in the book was amazing. And, and from chapter 10, I write, there was lots of laughter and tears, but always mutual respect up until now. And, and that was until they, they really started to go downhill physically and mentally. We could have been college friends buying shots at Fort Ram. Anybody from Fort Collins, Northern Colorado, you remember Fort Ram? It was a bar in, in Fort Collins in the early 90s. They had Penny Beer Night. 
they'd serve this disgusting old beer for a penny, a penny, a, a glass of beer. I write with Graham singing karaoke. It was awesome. Most people, K's in my age, simply dealt with their elders by hiding them away or avoiding them. For most people, spending Saturday night with the grandparents doesn't usually include the words fun or exciting, but for us, it meant having a great time. We love being with grandma and gramps, but those good times were fast becoming memories. So that was it. We were enjoying our time with them, not worried about what was in writing or whether wills were updated or needed to be changed or what were the written uh, written agreements. And I wrote later, all you would have had to do was write an IOU. This would have never happened. The words of Nick Hopko, he was our, our legal investigator, his words, they pierced me like a well-sharpened arrow. He might as well have stuck a real one through my chest. I stared straight ahead out the window. Now, Jack, who was our who was our my defense attorney, had set up the first session to help Nick understand our situation. I was learning that the role of an investigator for a defense team, obviously us, is to get to the truth. Nick would help the defense make a judgment on moving to a trial, plea bargaining, or a little of both. I hope you have a great time with your parents or your grandparents or the people who raised you, but make sure you carve out time to get that key part of the relationship in writing, not just the will, which we talked about last week, but any other issues, have them write it down, date it and sign it, and then keep a copy of it. Hell, even if it's a a napkin, a plain piece of paper, nothing fancy, I can't say that enough. And uh, just make sure you keep the copy. We have a new sponsor, and I'll be right back with that incredible, inspirational story you don't want to miss. Just a quick break to let you know that today's podcast is sponsored by the Amazon Associates Program, which is one of the largest affiliate networks in the world that helps content creators, publishers, and website owners monetize their traffic. Have you heard of Steve Gleason? He was a former safety for the New Orleans Orleans Saints. I'm a big uh, football NFL. I mean, I watch it. Uh, during the season. In in fact, there's a statue now out front of uh, the Superdome. I was trying to remember what's in New Orleans, the Superdome of Steve blocking a punt. And it was the reason they did that. It was such a big play. It was after Hurricane Katrina had destroyed the city. And so football in, in New Orleans was back and he blocked the kick and they scored a touchdown. Just incredible. But he played for eight years and then he was diagnosed with ALS, uh, aminotrophic lateral sclerosis what that sounds like. I think we all know by now ALS, formerly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And this this was just an incredible documentary. I had no idea. Uh, my wife Kay suggested that we watch it. And it's directed by, I believe it's uh, Jay Clay Tweel. And it talks about Steve as he retired from the National Football League and played for about eight years and he was struggling with ALS. So he ends up, he goes, he starts recording everything that's happening to him with his phone. He had a couple different things in mind. He was trying to bring, raise public awareness of the disease and, and obviously finding a cure. And he had help from, they call it Team Gleason. It was a nonprofit group founded by Michelle, his wife, who, by the way, just incredible what she did and has done to support him. And nothing's off limits for it. He shows all the pain, the grief, the moments of doubt and fear, the disgust at his body failing. He went from a professional athlete, now think about this, a professional athlete to completely disabled in a year and even got worse from there. He shows the challenges of debilitating of an illness that's just crushing your body, What all the, the challenges that it poses to your marriage 
and parenting. He was, and he, he talks about his son was born shortly after his diagnosis, and it's a, a big part of the story. And I have a son, and it just killed me to watch this and put myself in his shoes. Steve shows the relationship between fathers and sons, and express not just in Steve's relationship with his own father and son, but he there's an interview. It's it's really cool with Pearl Jam lead singer. Eddie Vedder, if you guys remember Pearl Jam, he's interviewed by Steve, who's barely able to talk. And Eddie talks about, in a very emotional way, talks about his trouble, troubled relationship with his dad. And I believe Steve is still alive. He, and he talks with a computer, kind of Stephen Hawkins-like. But it's a, a uh, talk about a tear-jerker. Tear, tear uh, I um, Boy, it was just, it was hard to get through. But it also, it was joyous too, because Afterwards, I looked at it and said, if he can go through all that, then I can make it through. Um, and, and why would I say that? Well, I go back to what Dr. Teal, and I've talked about him before, our former minister at uh, Mile High Church. He's one of the best speakers I've ever seen in my life. He wrote a book called Life is Joy. One of the main points, he said, every moment, every experience, every person can be an opening for your soul to greater understanding more peace and joy, and an overwhelming experience of love. So how do you replace happiness with joy? Or how do you how do you pursue choose joy instead of this whole thing of pursuing happiness? And and what's the difference? Well, first of all, it's inside of you. It's uniquely you. That's what I believe. So joy is in the heart. Happiness, I'll go through some of the differences. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the outside. Joy is in the soul. Happiness is is right now this moment, whatever's happening. Joy connects peace and contentment. Joy overflows while happiness, and I say overflows, like just this love and that gratitude you feel while happiness is a reaction to a cause or event. And this one comes from a religious point of view. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes, kind of like the wind, right? It's almost careless, almost by chance. So four things you can do to choose joy. When I talk about what we went through, of course, much of it was self-caused, right? Bad choices. I wanted to, and even to this day, I struggle so much. I want to crawl into a hole and just have someone bury me with it, uh, bury me in, I should say. And if I think about how many parts of my life were ruined, I would definitely be, I would not be happy. There would not be happiness. But here's the tools that I use. Number one, journaling. I can't say enough about the five-minute journal. You can get it on Amazon. Every morning, I cultivate this whole feeling of gratitude, even have gratitude for the challenges. And this helps me keep an eye on what on that target. It's joy, right? Second, I get I get away from social media whenever I can. And when I'm on it, I've, I try to practice appreciation for the things I see, for the friends I see, for all the good things happening. I'm choosing, choosing that rather than jealousy or frustration or envy. That'll, that'll get you out of that moment and get you into joy. Number three tools, meditate. Can't tell you enough how, how much meditations change my life. I usually meditate in the morning. Most evenings I shoot for about seven to 20 minutes. I, I can't tell you just how great it is to have that quick calm, even if it's four or five minutes, even if it's one or two minutes and just let go just for that little while. And last, last tool is, is speaking out loud. Tell the people in your life your family, your friends, most importantly to yourself. Talk out loud that you love them, that you love you, and that you're okay. Everything's okay, and it'll be okay. And and really talk about how uh, 
your, your purpose is about joy, not necessarily whether you're happy or sad in the moment. And saying it out loud, that's what it brings you that joy. And talk about what doesn't bring you joy. And if you like, write it down. Whatever you need to do to make that happen. So that brings me to the end of uh, today's show. Today starts your personal comeback. We started with me challenging some of the reasons why people are acting so weird. And it could be that it's time to stop pursuing happiness and choose joy. Then we covered, we should have had everything right. We should have, what we should have done section. We should have had everything in writing, even though we all get along and we had these incredible times with Graham and Grams, but keep that in mind. Uh, I do miss them, but boy, I wish we would have had all those agreements in writing and inspiration. If you watch the documentary on Steve Gleason and you don't cry, maybe you need way more therapy than we thought you did. Just kidding. But it's uh, just an incredible story. And again, it motivated me in so many ways that here's a person who's finding joy in their life. And if they were just looking at their current circumstances, it would definitely not be happy. And we ended with some simple ways to increase your joy on a daily basis. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Please pick up a copy of The Unlikely Felon. I know I saw Amazon's updated uh, quite a few of the paperback uh copies. uh, So there's a lot more copies now available. And this is WC Young. Remember, sometimes the best way to help the world is to make mistakes. Goodbye for now. If you enjoyed this cast, you must check out the website unlikelyfelon.com. You can buy WC's new book, sign up for the newsletter and see his speaking engagement schedule.